Kohagaka. So today is the 17th of March, 2022. So today it's the last day of the cold season here in Thailand. And tomorrow we'll be entering into the hot season. But in some countries it's still very cold, uh, still in the negatives, like uh, Norway, for instance. And the outer conditions of the weather, this has an impact on our bodies as well. And if that changes a lot, the weather changes quickly, um, then this can cause illnesses uh, within the body. And so we need to be cautious in how we live our lives and what we do. For the monks, we need to be careful about what it is that we eat and the way that we use the four requisites. So we need to be careful around these things. We need to contemplate them before we consume them. And that we don't eat a food for the sake of getting drunk on it or for the sake of uh, finding pleasure in the taste. But rather, it's for the purpose of giving energy to our bodies, so that we're able to practice, so that we're able to fulfill the duties that we have as monks. And there's duties of developing calm and insight, or even of studying the scriptures, because this requires uh, energy, this physical energy, to be able to do that. But if we don't contemplate before we eat, and then it's quite easy for illnesses to arise within the body. So we need to be very careful around what it is that we consume. And even though the Buddha gave us permission to consume meat and fish, we need to do this in the right proportions uh, to get things to a state of enoughness. Because if we have too much of anything, then that brings harm. And so it was, uh, so like the, the evening drinks that we have, um, we need to be careful around those as well, because sometimes they can contain a lot of sugar. So before Lumpu Ginnery, who's one of Ajahn Chah's teachers, he said that having sugar in the evening, just once every 15 days, was enough already. And if we have it any more than that, then we may get addicted to the sweetness. And so we, this is something that's worthy of thinking about and pondering over. And Ajahn Man, he taught to and was exemplary in eating little and sleeping little. And that's what he taught. And Lumpur Tongrat, Ajahn Tongrat, one of, another one of Ajahn Chah's teachers, uh, tried to practice according to that. And so he went without food for 15 days. And even before he fasted for that long, he was already very skinny. So after one of the Patimoka recitations, he, after he'd been fasting for 15 days, he went to Ajahn Man and said, well, look, I, I haven't been eating for so long, I'm going to die soon. And Ajahn Man replied that 
you need to get things in a state of enoughness, to know what's just right, to know the right balance. So we eat what's enough, we sleep in the right proportion. Because if we sleep too much, then that will give rise to a lot of drowsiness, to be drunk on that sleep. So if we're very strict, then we just rest for four hours. Uh, but um, if uh, the level of our mind isn't, or the strength of our mind isn't up to that, then we can rest for five or six hours, but no more than that. So to know enoughness with regards to sleep, because if we do sleep more than that, then that means that we're indulging in sleep, we're seeking out happiness through sleeping. So this way of practice, it opposes the way of science, which tells us that we should be sleeping for seven or eight hours per night. And that's correct, but that's not the way of the practice. So we contemplate our sleep, we contemplate our food, seeing food as just being composed of natural elements, which we use to support this body. And we see how the elements external to this body and the elements within this body, they all are of the nature to deteriorate and decay. And so the mind, when it knows this, when it has awareness of this, it still lives its life and still uses this body in a normal way. But it's also aware and has the knowledge that these things are not me, they're not mine, that this body is not self. It's able to separate out the elements, separate out the khandas, or physicality and mentality, and see how these are not self. And in the beginning, there may be clarity around this, but it may just be a small amount of clarity. We need to take samadhi and mindfulness as our foundations for the practice. And so there's this mindfulness or recollection, and then there's sampajanya, this clear awareness. So when we chant, what we're doing is recollecting the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, or if we have created merit, then we can recollect that as Chaka Nusati. And there are some people who have many good qualities to them. They have Hiri and Utapa, and this skillful sense of fear and shame of wrongdoing. And when people have these two qualities, and they also are generous and virtuous, then they're on the level, level of a deva. So we can recollect this, and recollect the devas, and this is deva nusati. Or we can recollect how the lives of all beings are closing in on death. And so it's the end of the cold season now, and we're not sure whether we'll see another cold season. And this just isn't sure. But death is something that is sure. So reflecting in this way and bringing up this recollection, and this is the mindfulness of death. We can contemplate the elements, seeing how the food that we eat is just composed of natural elements, and these bodies too 
are just natural elements. He contemplates the body in this way, having mindfulness over the body. And this is kayakata usati. So the meaning of all of these practices is to have a lot of mindfulness, to be very mindful, and to bring that mindfulness into one object, the object of our meditation, of our mental cultivation. And some people, they don't understand this, and they think that the way of this kamatana tradition, this forest tradition, is not right. How we're developing samadhi, that's not correct. And what we need to do instead is just develop mindfulness. But when people say this, they don't really know what's actually happening. So Ajahn Chah, he didn't explain things a lot. What he said was, have mindfulness. Whether you're standing, sitting, walking, lying down, be mindful. Recite Buddha a lot, do this a lot. If you're walking meditation, sitting meditation, have your mindfulness there. And it's not the case that when we walk or sit in meditation, we allow our minds to just float around all over the place. All we need to do is take mindfulness as the foundation of our practice. And when mindfulness is constant, then samadhi will arise, won't it? So when we have this mindfulness there, samadhi comes up then joy and happiness emerge within the heart. And there's a great energy to that. So there's energy to the mindfulness, there's energy to the samadhi. And samadhi gives us this power of peace, which allows us to suppress the defilements. But that's not yet an understanding into the Dhamma. However, when we have this energy of samadhi, then we contemplate the body, the feelings, the mind, and sorry, the body, the feelings, the uh, perception, mental formations, and sense consciousness, and seeing it as being just that, just the body, just feelings, just perception, mental formations, sense consciousness. And if we can do that, then we've seen the Dhamma. We've seen how these things are not self. If we're walking, then we see that it's just a body that's walking. All the feelings in the heart are just that, merely feelings. The Vedana that we experience, it's just another quality, another Dhamma. And so whatever appears, then we know that we know its appearance, and then we see it cease as well. And if we gain a clear understanding into this, and then the mind transcends the world. We see the body as just being composed of earth, water, fire, and air, something that isn't attractive, just these elements following the ways of nature. And these are all things that need to deteriorate, that need to break apart. And when we see them break apart, and we see them go into emptiness, or we can contemplate the body as being just a bag of blood, or a bag of pus, or of urine, or a bag of bones. And then we break these all down into anatta, into not-self. So we take these faculties of mindfulness and samadhi and use them to contemplate the body.
Or we can watch the breath, the in-breath and the out-breath. This anapanasati. And so we see how it's anapanasati, it's not anapanasamadhi, but rather sati, mindfulness. So that mindfulness, it's the, the central pillar for that practice. But when the mind comes together and this mindfulness comes together, and that's when samadhi arises. And this develops into wisdom. So this is something that we should all set our hearts on practicing a lot. And for the monks, we should really do this a lot. And for the laity as well, and set your hearts on this. And today there are some duties that the monks need to perform. And so I'll probably just speak this much for tonight. <laughs>